Welcome to the Snow Fighters Institute podcast, coming from some of the most interesting people in the professional snow and ice management industry. To learn about their successes, to hear about the challenges they've faced along the way, and to have their perspective on critical issues facing our industry today. Before we get started, I'd like to invite you to follow our social media feeds and to check out our upcoming events at snowfightersinstitute.com. Please welcome your host, Phil Harwood. Well, hey, everyone. If we haven't met, my name is Phil Harwood, and I am super excited to be joined today by Chris Pegnia. Chris is the co-founder and VP of Busy Beaver Lawn and Garden, located just outside of Buffalo, New York, where they get a little bit of snow. And, you know, um, if you're a follower of Snow Fighters podcast, you know that I've had the pleasure of interviewing Elizabeth Bonadonna back in October of 2022. But since then, something really big has happened, as in getting 100 inches of snow basically all at the same time, something that most of us have never encountered and maybe you don't ever want to see a hundred of inches, hundred inches of snow all at the same time. But I invited Chris to hop on and tell us about this massive event. You know, just how they how they survived it, and maybe what they learned from it. And uh, so, thanks for being here, Chris. Hey, no problem, Phil, and thanks for having me. It's uh, you know we, we're honored to be here and, and chat with you today, and thanks for taking time to you know speak with speak with us and let us tell you about what's going on here in Buffalo, New York, and about our you know snowvember storm our oh, december snowmageddon yeah. and we had a little tw- you know a little just a little 20 20 to 30 yeah inches you know i said there. That you oh, got 100 like inches all at once which is the second one right but you also had you had another big monster before that yeah so, that was yeah terrible. we want to i want to hear all about these but i want to lay a little foundation first so just you know Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in the company. I'm sure you wear more than one hat like we all do, but kind of fill us in a little bit before we start talking about these specific storms, okay? Absolutely. No, uh, I guess my history in this industry started out as a uh, uh, just a, a, a young a young 12-year-old with a, a lawnmower, and I tied it to my bike and uh, kind of rode, rode around the neighborhood uh, servicing uh, my paper route clients and that turned into, you know, gutter gutters and power washing and things like that. My, uh, father always was a kind of a one man band, uh, Peter pickup truck in a truck, uh, moonlighter on the side of being a full-time factory worker, uh, which retired a few years ago, he became number one in the plant, uh, of, I think over almost 3000 people. It's one of the, uh, top employers of our area and he worked there from 19 to 63. What was that? What was the plan? Uh, uh, Dunlop Dunlop Tire which then oh, yeah. uh, which was good then went to Goodyear and Sumo Tumo Rubber. Uh so he always had his own own thing going and I guess I got my you know inspiration from watching him kind of uh do that as as a kid he always had his own and then you know as I was a uh, working in my neighborhood it just kind of spiral i eventually took over my parents garage and uh started hanging you know just claiming my areas making all my tools on the wall and creating uh any space i could or anything i could borrow from them 
Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know that, that lawnmower, it wasn't mine, it was theirs. And when they weren't using it, uh, I, I got to do, you know, fill it up with gas and have to pay for that. But, uh, um, it, you know, that really gave me my first start. And that grew over time to my brother and I buying our first leaf blower, doing our first leaf cleanup, shoveling driveways, uh, to eventually buying a, a few pickup trucks, having a few employees, having that going while I was in high school. I'd met Elizabeth in uh, 2013. Um, we were started to work, work together. She was helping out when she wasn't waitressing and she, you know, became in love with the business and it, it became much more sophisticated and serious to, you know, what it is today with, uh, you know, 40 to 50 full-time staff, um, you know, us having anywhere from 50 to 100 uh, folks on in a night, uh, servicing our clients of our, our own staff, plus uh, a couple handfuls of subcontractors. <laughs> nice. Well, that's just so great to, to hear about your father's example and just having that worth that work ethic instilled in you at a young age. And it sounds like you were just kind of inspired to do it. Like you weren't it wasn't necessity. It was just like, no one's stopping me. I'm going to go for it. And um, oh, I was a kid. I was a kid who oh, my parents couldn't, oh, they would die. You know, if they walked into Sears in the old days, uh, you'd have to walk. Uh, they would avoid the lawnmower aisles as I was, a uh, you know, from <laughs> a very youngster. There's pictures of me uh, with a toy lawnmower trying to mow next to my dad uh, as a two-year-old that my grandmother always breaks out when we're at, at family stuff. So love it. Stories, um, and so that's just fantastic. Um, so what tell tell us a little bit about so Buffalo, New York, right? You're right on the edge of um, you know, a big lake, and, and you get lake effect snow, you get system snow. What does a normal winter look like there? So, a normal winter is like 75 to 85 inches is around our average that we, you know, see over a 10-year span. Uh, our snow contracts usually cap as an industry, or, uh, you know, standard around here as a like 100 inches. Okay. Um, this year, we were seeing, you know, 70 to 90, you know, 90-inch rip there on in November in certain parts of the town. We saw, you know, a hundred inches that blew around and just kept, you know, cycloning and going down a few times. Uh, during Hold on, we'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, <laughs> back to the normal, not, so, not cyclone hundred inches at one time. Um, normal, normal winter. So a lot of, um, do you get different types of snow or is it all super wet? Cause it's, you know, um, a lot of moisture coming off the lake or is it really very so in the beginning of the year and at the end of the year, so that fall, springtime are uh, a lot of that, a lot of those wet dumps and you get a lot of mashed potato like snow, uh, heavy, heavy events. Um, you know, it's February here now. So we saw that type of event uh, last night during dinner time. And you can see the lake, uh, you know, they call for a, a rain to a dusting, maybe of snow to a changeover. And that ended up last night at being like a four inch. So those types of things are all very normal here, kind of unpredictable uh, storms. So, and they do really vary between all types of snow. In that January, early February time, you can see that really dry, you know, 
uh, cold temperatures come down and you'll see Arctic air and the low temps and you'll get dry snow, but um, you can't always use liquids during those uh, uh, rain to snow uh, times where pre-treating is kind of getting washed out. So, right. so you, you got to have all kinds of equipment. Like you need iron, <laughs> you need, you need everything, right? Cause you, you're pretty much going to see it during the winter. Lots of tools in the toolbox for sure, Phil. Yeah. You're not going to get away with just a, uh, a one size fits all cookie cutter, uh, model, uh, you know, tool chest here. <laughs> what about pricing? Do you, do you find when you're talking to other contractors, I know you, you, you know, you're involved in the industry, you know, do you, do you find that in a heavy snow market like yours, that prices are really driven down because there's so much competition or, or do you feel like your prices are pretty, uh, in line with other markets? We we do tend to have yes a lower a lower um, a lower pricing model industry wide due to the fact there is such a chance to experience so much snow here that allows lots of moonlighters to be able to put a just a plow on their pickup um, and when I have you know some folks that come from out west uh, the grounds one uh, folks came to see Niagara Falls and they they were just when we were driving. They, their their jaws were dropped at how many how many driveways just everybody had a had a plow is what they kept saying at dinner with us and you know as I've traveled around the country yeah there isn't as much there isn't as much equipment knowledge of how to um, perform the work uh, as there is here in some of the other markets but still uh, trucking a truck to a, a professional company. Um, you know the the high high uh, high qualified uh, client. They they do they they are willing to pay for a, you know a quality service. And you've just got to work with the the right partners that do value you and your company. So there is you know it, it, just like anywhere else, it does. That's a great point. Very- That's a great point. There's right. So because of all the snow, yeah, everyone's got a plow in their in their driveway, but. That doesn't mean they're set up to do big time commercial work with insurance and everything else that's required, weather monitoring and just all the software and all the systems. So, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Again, stay, stay, let's stay on the normal winter before we get to the big stuff. Um, sure. We're all dying to hear about. But (laughs) how are you set up? Like, how are you set up in terms of tell us a little bit about who your customers are and then. Are you subcontracting work? Are you trying to do it all in-house or how does that all work? So for years, we've been self-performing everything. Um, and we had a, a, always a few chuck in the trucks or Peter pickups who maybe had a route and would come out and work with us alongside of, uh, of our guys and kind of be like a service partner model um, where maybe they'd go shoot off and do a few small lots and just kind of help out really. Um, But this year we really did share a piece of the work with um, some, some true service service partners or sub um, and, you know, allow them to either place a a big piece of equipment on site or take a, you know, a string of, we really did, uh, you know, share a a good portion, you know, maybe 10% of the work here this year. Where in the past, it, it, I don't think it was even 2%. Okay. Well, we'll have a chance to hear how that panned out. So tell us, so what was the big, you got two really big storms. What were the, what, when did they come in and what were the totals on those? 
So snow, uh, the second round here is November. We had one in, in 14, which uh, set the Guinness Book of, of World Records in 2014 for the wall of snow. And I'll send you a couple images on, on that, Phil. But uh, uh, you, our lake, it just it's such a uh, strange situation that it just, if you have warm, really uh, a really warm lake and cold air comes in, it can just produce <laughs> so much uh, precipitation in such a, a short period of time uh, that it just can steam and steam for miles. Cold and then coming over the warm water, it just it's a snow machine. And then it'll just dump it in areas where you'll see, you know, I heard some of the East End group came came here and took some took some banks and they they even said it when I was speaking to some folks is that in a hundred yards you can you could see you know you can see a difference in climate here on any of these events and there's always some kind of a line between the north towns and the south towns where you'll see it dump but then it'll switch at a certain part of the year because we are near Lake Erie and Ontario so you can catch some different wind patterns and they do they do change. So the truth of it all is, and you know, John Allen's over there from Erie, Pennsylvania, and he'll he always would tell me is we just have some of the um, most unpredictable weather in the country, and it it, it is that is the uh, that is the norm the norm around here is just to expect the unexpected, always be ready. But what we saw this year wasn't was just a phenomenon, and what we saw in fourteen was one of those. 1977 was the uh, Guinness Book of Re World Record holder for the for the original. So we are, we're all if you look in the Guinness Book of World Records for storms and you talk about us at, on a national uh, weather where how our wind pattern is, where where our, our, our little town lies is just a, <laughs> it's an anomaly here for how how it, how it works. So I don't you know, I don't think full, anyone fully understands it. They need some scientists and things to, to predict. Yeah, it. Right. Um, we get dumped on so here. back to the November storm. What what was the what was the big? Tell us about the big November storm. How many inches was that? So, so that uh, first November storm back in fourteen, they say it was eighty inches, and it, it just blew around and kept coming and, and coming. And this this last November was just like it. It was around the same same uh, same mark, depending on what township you were in. So 10, 20 miles away could see far differences, but in the worst area, like near where the bills. Play Buffalo Bills play uh, at the Bills Stadium in Orchard Park, New York. Uh, they saw a, a high 80s, you know, between 80 and high 80s total for the first November dump. And then the December one was right around Christmas, right? That was during Christmas. And, and, and how many the inches two, was that total? That that one, uh, they say it was, you know, over, over 80, between 80 and 100. Yeah. And that was really everywhere. Yeah, I I mean the the news well maybe the the news reports were hyping it up. They were all saying it was over 100. It it, it was. It was. Okay. But you 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 could see areas that, you know, it, from 100 yards that had dry pavement oh, sure. all the way to the 100 inch, you know, the yeah. snow. So you so two storms but if if you're in the right place or the wrong place, two two independent storms brought 180 inches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. So how I mean, you guys saw this coming. You lived through it. Like, tell us how you managed your way through this. It was it was an unprecedented time. So 
I mean, everything is shut down at that point, and it turns into a plowing company to an emergency services. No one's going to work. Schools are closed. Roads, was it emergency? You know, everyone off the road except for you guys and, you know, ambulances and stuff. National Guard. (laughs) Right. right. Ambulances, things like that. that. Isn't that so weird when you're like, there's just no one on the road except, you know, emergency personnel. I it got it was so serious that New Jersey and folks were just it was just for the first few days during December it was really body body rescue just finding folks it wasn't servicing at, like the yeah. town stopped plowing ever you know there was no service on the streets so was there a big period there in in the December storm where you guys just couldn't work uh, yeah hot, uh, my power went out at my home. Uh, we Liz and I stayed in a hotel with our dogs. We managed from. So how long from, was that where you guys were just shut down and you couldn't even work at all? Like a couple at least days, five, or? At least four to five days where they were. You guys didn't. You did no work. There was no clearing of roads. No, nothing went on. It was nothing. It was, just it was just sit back. Hurricane winds. <laughs> oh my! You you must have just been freaking out, realizing it, it that okay, eventually we're going to have to deal with this. It was it was incredible. We did start while that was happening. We were assisting uh, with in getting some FEMA money through the townships that were managing. So the towns would take any loaders you could produce because uh, a town truck couldn't push snow and they didn't have enough loaders to actually get in front of a town truck. So any contractor who would could get in basically and speak with the townships and who was registered, you would just they would be taking a loader and pairing it behind, uh, you know, parent, uh, putting a township uh, truck behind it and then starting to windrow as you made their first initial pass down every street. Um, for the, before that happened, it was really body rescues. Uh, those, those snow groomers and specialized um, uh, track machines, uh, sheriffs, uh, SWAT, all body rescues. Uh, some horrible stories uh, from this event, you know, folks going out to get oh, we uh, read about them. loaves of bread and just never coming back to their families. Who, yeah. who knows what, you know, what, what the reasons is that they left. But this is this was really if you drove out there, you, you you and no matter really how good you were, you weren't. It was pretty tough to get back. It wasn't guaranteed you were coming back. It wasn't guaranteed. It wasn't communication with your employees during this time or uh, the whole time. Okay. Uh, making sure everyone's safe, constant checking in, um, a, a lot of challenges, making sure that you, you had, uh, you know, eyes and ears on everyone. Those GPSs are really nice to see if they're they're moving and, and if they just didn't answer a call, you can see if they're they're traveling and where they are, who's stuck. Uh, to get the first initial people out, we had to send some of our guys like in a wheel loader to go dig, you know, our employees out of their driveway put them so in the load work. Yeah. Driving to their piece of the So equipment. was that the progression kind of like dig out the emergency personnel first, get them up and running or or did it, did it was there like a flip switch that got flipped and everyone just came out of the woodwork and hit the roads and It was a few guys who who made it in and you know uh some of the best and the brightest or just the lucky ones who who really knows uh uh who made it in on their own and then they they started to dig out the be- the best uh, the best and most use- useful and closest and start to grab each people other folks kind of came in during that time and okay. you had to you had to actually get a lot of a lot of the staff 
Oh, but, sure. I can only imagine. How did you prioritize your work? Like who did uh, you obviously had to decide where to go first? Well, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of pieces of equipment that are already on, um, you know, on site. Okay. So, so go there, dig those out, get them moving. Everything's really broken. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? So each piece of equipment that's already on site, that customer gets, pre, you know, preferential service because that's always the agreement is to pay that premium to have that sure. right. piece of equipment on site. Neighboring properties come next just due to the efficiency. And, you know, as you're farther out, usually those properties are the ones that paid less or are the ones that, you know, you can be very upfront with the client that you're saying, well, um, this property doesn't, you know, pay or require a, an on-site piece of equipment. Therefore, we're ready and mobilizing, you know, National Guard still isn't clearing the roads, but just due to how great our people are, you know, we did le go out and service Hurricane Ian. Um, they're such a emergency uh, services type of company that's so ready for these types of things. A lot of our guys have, you know, been through for 2014. Uh, when we, well, I want to hear a bit, little bit about state of mind. Were so were your employees like were they were they anxious? Did they feel overwhelmed because it was so massive? Were they like a kid in the candy store where they were like super excited and pumped and they had you know four days of Red Bulls and they just couldn't contain themselves anymore like what was their state of mind or did it just vary depending on who the individual was no uh, uh at least 99% of our staff are like kids in the candy store when when something like this happens um a few folks you know uh especially the ones that aren't the veterans that the new folks don't really don't understand it and uh are a little intimidated um by it even just cuz it's just something totally, totally uh, out of the norm for everyone. But the folks that have been doing it and are our veteran staff, this is what they live for. They're, they're snow warriors. They're snow Vikings. They can't get enough of, of stuff like this. They try to, you know, some of them, a good 20% of them, uh, the baby boomers, the generation Xers, and even some of the millennials, they try to stay out as long as they, you know, as long as Liz will allow them and as, and we have to, you know, we, we really actually have to say, uh, you've you've reached your max. We need you to go get some rest. Come back in. There's a snow for a week. There's snow removal for weeks, you know, here. So, I mean, I would it imagine there's also a, a deep sense of responsibility, you know, that that someone like that. I mean, I, I would feel I'm just trying to put myself in their shoes. I would feel this enormous sense of like pride and responsibility, like, hey, we're opening this city back up. And, um, you know, who knows what we're going to find underneath the snow pile, but, you know, we're, we're part of the solution and we're part of the emergency response team. And I mean, I'm going to, I would personally be excited about it, but I'd also feel very honored and, you know, kind of, kind of like, it's a big deal. This is a really big deal. Something, uh, you know, you're going to be telling your, your grandkids about someday. Right. Our, our, no, our folks, our, you know, our folks are, are just so dedicated and so um, emotionally and physically uh, in, involved in their work. And that is their pride and joy. I mean, uh, a terrible story, but uh, a gentleman was working downtown in the city of Buffalo during, during snow removal during this time, lost his life. Uh, they did shut the entire city down. Uh, there's something called uh, the turkey trot during November 
Um, and during that November storm, yeah. um, they uh, weren't sure that they were even going to open up there in the convention center called us. Our guys got down there with, you know, uh, another uh, partner, eight dump trucks and started to just actually remove all the snow surrounding the convention centers for all the city streets. Uh, so the turkey trot could happen so that the it was going to be a nice event for folks to get out there in their running shoes <laughs> the day after an 80 inch event of snow. So to have that, no matter what, they're there, they're involved. It's everything to them. They jumped out of bed after just such a short time to, to try, you know, lined up. Everybody basically wanted, wanted that. It's, it's, it's a way it's literally when we're doing snow removal or a truck out, um, we try to give it's there's literally a waiting there's a waiting list for the guys to go out there they're all they all have their hands up ready to go yeah, yeah. talk to me a little bit about your customers were they forgiving were they understanding obviously they didn't go to work for a bunch of days and they knew everyone got 100 inches but i can only imagine like there's probably some that were just just jerks and probably complaining and crying and we have a contract. I don't care. And that attitude. And I would, I can't even imagine dealing with someone like that, but how did your customers overall behave during this? Uh, the person you just described, maybe, maybe a handful. And honestly, Phil, those were the folks that paid the least, all, all of them. And that's what I kept saying. Uh, you know, that correlation there, isn't there? That Pareto principle, right? 20 percent of your clients, and in this case, it was like two percent, are eighty percent of your problems. Twenty uh, percent of your clients are eighty percent of your revenue. Well, not only that, but there's a rule in sales: whoever pays the most is the happiest. Okay, so all right, true. I like that. I like it's that. So true, and you just <laughs> proved it right there. <laughs> that was an even better way to put it. Yeah, but yeah, there. So uh, we have a uh, uh, Tony. Uh, Padachio is a new new uh, gentleman that's working for us as our executive uh, account manager this year, and he was uh, he comes from a property manager background. He worked at, at several development companies here in Buffalo. We actually worked uh, on the other side where we worked for him at a development company that uh, does the ball drop downtown, and they own a, a several commercial properties. They're a, one of the big big time developers here. And we had such a good relationship. He applied for the job. And I was like, this guy is awesome. He's he's a free agent. We can pick him up. So he just is automatically like known and trusted amongst the property managers, amongst the facility managers. He speaks their language. Um, his reputation speaks for itself. And he has such a, a way about him that he really lets them know where we're at, the communication that he brings to the table sets their mind at ease long before the problem happens. He's proactive about everything, sending out an email, letting them know uh, different national. Oh, what a great person to have communicating with your clients during an event like that. So, in all honesty, when there's something going on, Tony, Tony usually he makes sure to be not only a great fireman when that fire comes up, when the customers, you know, oh no. And the lines screaming, and it's an emergency room here on the office. Oh, oh we got to put this fire out. But he does a better job of uh, being a fireproofer, along with uh, my cousin Danny, and um, who's our new, new COO. They're just coming up with ways together. They're um, 
they both have competition as their number one strength, but nice. uh, they don't compete against each other. They find a way to make sure uh, to to work together in, in such unison to find a way to make sure we're in competition with ourselves. <laughs> well, Chris, during the big storms, you know, you and I spoke a few times and one of those times was about billing. And my advice to you was make it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> we had a good laugh about that, but, um, you know, seriously, sure you know, you, you, this is not a time to be, you know, thinking to be afraid to bill. You have to, you have to bill appropriately for your services and you can't be afraid to bill what you need to bill, even if the numbers are big and you know, they're going to hurt. That's not, that's not your, you don't have any control over 80 inches and a hundred inches. That wasn't your choice. These weren't Absolutely. manufactured artificial bills that these are just huge numbers. And so you, you can't be afraid they're going to hurt. So you got to send them out. So my question is, is, what kind of conversations ensued after those customers got those huge bills? And did you have to give much back? The answer, the short answer is no. There was a few, a few folks who had some clarification things okay. go on. All right. And That's if normal. we gave, yeah, if we gave back money to one or two clients, uh, uh, that, that a few dollars, uh, cause of maybe just more of a, an a line item issue. There was really not too much negotiations that went on. We were just very, fair, open, honest, and transparent about how things happen. Great. Your uh, the long answer is, you know, when this was happening, Phil, and you were telling it to me, uh, we were just having conversations with the leadership team. Well, we can either keep our, our exact number that we promised to charge uh, when we originally agreed upon the contract, or we can do what you suggested is keep reaching out to all your network of contractors that you already have, your competition or your trucking companies that you've grown relationships with this summer and offer to cut them all in on a piece of the work and grow the pie and actually service all your clients, get the job done and throw a party over it. But we had to have those tough conversations, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, with our clients and let them know that some of these folks had increased their rates that we had to bring on partners to uh, get them open. Um, and that, you know, there were some different ways we were gonna have to uh, provide service than what was under the normal standard. Um, and that allowed us really to get the work done for our clients, but we did have to, we did have to in, increase the rates, which maybe that hurt a little bit for that budget, but because of this, because it was just so broadly known that this wasn't normal. They kind of, they were willing to take a, a different budget out for it and uh, appropriate it to that cost. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're never going to have any, any regrets if you, if you always do the right thing, that doesn't mean the customers are always going to pay you to do the right thing, but if you always do the right thing, you're going to sleep at night. Right. <laughs> and I think that's just a better way to approach it. So sometimes you're spending your customers money because you're doing the right thing on their behalf and, and, and they need to pay for that. Absolutely. They, they have they have hired you to provide to take care of them. And sometimes in extreme situations, taking care of them means you're spending their money and they need to pony up and take care of you. But if they don't, at least you did the right thing and you can and you can sleep well at night. So um absolutely. And I mean when I talk to other uh contractors in other industries and like the uh there's a lot of folks whose pipes broke, 
uh, during this during this event too, roofers, things like that. Um, and they're having these tough conversations with their clients too, saying, look, we can quickly patch and fix this item here, or we can do this the right way for your home and for you, solve the problem the right way. And it may not be the most cost efficient way right now, but over the long term, you know, it's the it's the best way, you know, we say it around here. This is the best way, not the easy way. We're going to service our clients the best way, not the easy way and offer them the best. And what's the best for them is probably them to get back open for business uh, as quick as possible. Yeah. Long term, that's always the best approach. So um, I just give you a lot of credit for that because that's really tough in such extreme situations. What were the big takeaways? What did you learn through this whole process here? Well, I mean, thanks for the credit, but you know, I had good coaching. I had a good, I had good mentors. I got a, I got a, a Phil on speed dial. I got Neil on speed dial. I got them saved in my phone. They answer, they give me advice. Um, my biggest takeaways is, is the le- all the lessons I already know. Um, they're reinforced stronger, more serious and more cemented in these big events. Uh, your network is your net worth. Uh, when it comes to coaching and professional advice, um, the co- the conversations and the money that you pay isn't a cost; it's an investment, and it it does actually come out tenfold back to the company when you you know keep reaching out, don't think you know everything, um, keep speaking and getting points of view that are from folks that have seen things and heard things from others, um, and that are willing to share that with you and that. Uh, are invested in your future, are invested in your success. Um, so, you know, like you guys at the Snow, Snow Fighters, Phil, um, since, you know, I started out and I met John uh, that started my path um, in 17 and we visited uh, the Snow Fighters in Erie, I learned about ways to service my client and how to better our leadership and how to offer better service to our client in the end. And because of this, um, it's easy for them who have spent seen us in our early days to see us where we are now to see the way we've grown at such a faster rate than our our competition so much that we now as a you know have invested uh, into being a supplier that we're actually trying to help others out and show them how they can be successful too because we feel the high tide raises all boats and that's the don't view your competition in your area as you're against each other. View it as that you're you're a cooperation. And when these things happen, share them in a piece of the work. And there's a chance for you to all to grow together versus against against one another. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And I like what you said about just reinforcement too. Um, when I was a contractor, you know, I used to go to a lot of trade shows and conferences and things, and sometimes. You know, it was just I didn't take anything new away, but it reinforced what we were already doing. Or I kind of looked around the room and and just kind of saw my competition face to face and like, you know, what, we have a good thing going on here. We've made good decisions. We we're really set up well. And and sometimes that's that's the best thing is you don't have something new because you've already implemented it. And so it's the reinforcement of, you know, we're doing the right things. And we just need to stay focused on what we're doing. We have a good model. Um, but is there, I'm just, I'm just curious if, the, is there anything that materially that you're going to change in your snow operation because of these massive storms? Like, are you guys 
kind of going in more iron, more subcontractors? Like, is there some thing you're modifying because you got clobbered like this? I think we'll continue to No, I don't think, um, I think our plan is, 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 uh, pretty much where it is. We'll continue to both okay. grow service partners and iron, but just as you're saying, it's through those, it's through those trade organizations though, that you have the opportunity, even if you didn't take something away. And usually now with how fast things are going, you can, you can always take at least one thing away. Right. And, and that's, you know, you take one thing, you sit on that one thing and you try to implement that one thing and work on that and make it right. And then on your next trip, if you have that one down, you can actually do it again and do it. But really the chance is, is to, even if you couldn't take anything away at that show, if you go out there, have a, have dinner, uh, do the, pre, you know, the pre field trips, the, um, chant, uh, the peer networking, walk around that room, have your, pocket stuff full of business cards, no matter what, put your nice shirt on with your uh, logo on there. So folks can see it. Um, just chat, get a chance to soak in how others do it. There's no way you won't take something away from someone in that room. And there's no way you won't have a card that you can put into your Rolodex or into your um, network there that you can share opportunities, share ideas, and just Everyone basically grows better together. And now, you know, if it was, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all the folks that saw me when I was lower than them on the mountain and they, they, they saw their, their necessity, their, um, their duty to help me up the mountain to where they were. Love it. That's probably a good place for us to break here, Chris. Um, I'll give you the last word. Is there anything that you wanted to just share with anyone that we didn't cover? Oh, well, no, I, I mean, if, if there's a, if there's a chance that you'd like to, to reach out to me, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, but I think that's the best place to go to hold of me. Uh, I'd love to have a conversation with, uh, someone who's like-minded in the industry. Um, maybe they might have a question for me. Maybe they may have a tip. Um, and I love talking green and snow leadership, teamwork, culture, um, I just, I truly do believe everything is, uh, in the people and in the relationships, um, whether it's the internal client, which is, is your, is your people in your organization, uh, or your external client or your, all your network of people. I think that that's what's, uh, always been my, um, my ability to get better from others. And, um, yeah, I'm always, I, I get, I get all fulfilled by, uh, meeting new people. So if anybody, uh, uh, wants to reach out to me, my name's Chris Pagnia. Yeah. I'd love to, love to speak with you. Get Thank you. On LinkedIn. All right. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. All right, Chris, let's leave it there. You're a survivor, 180 inches and two events. I don't know if that'll ever happen again, but that's that's amazing. And thank you so much for sharing this with us. And um, we will we'll talk to you soon. We're thriving, Phil, not surviving. Every day we're getting Absolutely. better. And, and it's guys like you that are letting us do that. So thank you for all you're doing for our industry. Thank you for the opportunity to chat and give give my uh give some my chance to give back here too. Thanks, Chris. Take care, Phil. You too, my friend. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Snow Fighters Institute podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, become a subscriber today so you won't miss any future episodes. Don't forget, please check out our upcoming events at snowfightersinstitute.com.